0: Oh good morning everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're with us. We're glad to have electricity this morning. Last week we didn't have power when we started the first service. And uh, yeah, so glad to have you here. Glad to have those of you here that are joining us online. Uh, It's a good day. Uh, Good day to be here. Uh, We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have used for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thanks. And because it's Easter, we can also say Christ is risen. Let's try that one again. We don't do that one every Sunday, do we? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He is. And we're going to celebrate that in song and in scripture and uh, in prayer and at the, in the celebration of communion at the end of the service. But right now, let's bow our heads and let's pray as we begin. God, we are so grateful uh, for your love, for your presence here with us. We're so glad that, uh, that, you, that we get to meet you, uh, that the risen Christ is here among us by your Holy Spirit. Uh, so God, please, would you shine your light into those dark places? Uh, would you speak words of hope and encouragement to those of us who feel like uh, there, there hasn't been none? Um, God, today, you know that there are some of us that we walk into this time, into this place, uh, hungry for some hope. Needing to know that, uh, that death and sin and our failure, that these things don't get the final say. Uh, but needing to know that your grace, your love, your life... Uh, get the final say in our lives. So please, God, would you share with us your hope, your life, your presence today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin.
1: was heavy but chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter I was an orphan now you call me a citizen of heaven when I was broken you were my healing now your love is here that I'm breathing I have a future my eyes are open cause when you called my you call my Amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be. I sing for all that you've done for me. Who, who, brings, our life 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 life. who brings our chaos back, back into, back into order? order? Who makes the, the orphan a son and daughter? The king of glory, the king of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The king of glory, the king above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfairly love, that you would take my place Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. All this is amazing grace. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Amen. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. i
2: 24, starting in verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Amen and amen. Pray with me, would you? Lord, today we are so mindful of the gift of your resurrection and what it means for us as your children, Father. That because of your resurrection from the grave, Lord, we can know you. We can be in relationship with you. We can spend eternity with you. We can be redeemed from whatever has happened in our lives. We can be redeemed from the sin that so easily ensnares us, Father. Because you live, Lord, we live also. Father, I thank you so much for that this morning. I thank you for this reminder every year, every Sunday, every day, Lord, that is because you live, because you live. Father, I thank you for this holy week that we have walked through, for each and every remembrance of your suffering, of your death, and now today of your resurrection. I pray that you would be in the rest of this service as you have been already. Be a powerful, tangible presence with us this morning. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word to us, I know it's a good word because it's from you. And then, Lord, I pray that as we um, take this in, this word that you've given this morning, that we truly, truly, and I know I pray this often, that it would transform us, Father. It would change us. That it would become part of our, our spiritual DNA, who part of who we are, something we can't get away from. We can never get rid of, Lord. It is who we are because we are in you. Father, we thank you this morning again. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, all the blessing, because you alone, Lord, King of kings, are worthy of that praise and worthy alone. For all these things, we pray in your precious, holy, holy name. Amen and amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace. <laughs>
0: All right, hope everybody got one of these when you came in, let you know what's going on around here, and have some notes for this morning's message. Happy Easter to all of you. I know some of you don't recognize me up here with the suit jacket on, but it's Easter, I thought I'd try, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, if you... Uh, if you're if you're watching online and didn't get a chance just to greet all of us, I hope that you'll you know chime in in the comments or go to LivingHope.info/connect and uh, fill out that little that little uh, connect card there. Let us know you're with us. And obviously, any of you could do the same thing. If you've got a prayer request or a question or anything of the sort, uh, you can do that online or you can grab one of those little green cards back there and fill it out and drop it in the box. Uh, I was happy to pray for some of you this past week who shared requests with me and and. Um, I'd be happy to do the same for you this week and uh, answer questions if any of you might have. Um, Also back there, you can drop, if you're giving an offering there; you can drop that in the box or you can give online. Uh, That all works. And thank you again to those of you who give so faithfully. Um, What's the first thing we've got up there as far as announcements? Is it just that it's, it's, okay, yeah, the 6K. So some of you want to do this, are going to want to do this today, All right you're going to want to go to valpo6k.com and sign up for the 6K. It's happening May 20th, and I think tomorrow is the last day for this little promo code, the WWD23 that's on the screen and on the back of your on the back of your deal here. That gets you $15 off. The registration normally is $50 for an adult or $25 for a kid. So if there's, especially if there's a family of you, man, and you're signing up four or five of you, that really takes a good amount of money off of that. Other donors are covering that portion for you. And whatever you give, your registration Is going to provide clean water for the child they're going to send to you. Uh, They send you a little race bib along with your T-shirt and that kind of thing, and you get to see the child's face, their age, the country where they live, and you can know that kid's going to get clean water. They're not going to have to walk 6K anymore to get dirty water that might kill them. Uh, Because I'm participating in the 6K, they're going to have clean water thanks to World Vision. So um, you're probably going to want to do that today or tomorrow because you can still sign up all the way up to the event. But those donors who are giving you $15 off of it, there that stops after, I think, tomorrow at midnight or something like that. So don't be like me. Don't put it off till tomorrow night at 11.50 something, all right? Just this afternoon, or if I get boring in a few minutes, just go to vapo 6 kcom on your phone, and, and you can sign up today. Uh, and then also next week, uh, do we have that up here? The next week thing, the crisis care kits. Uh, we're going to be assembling crisis care kits between the services. Today, between the services, we got an Easter egg hunt right out here in the in the yard. So at ten ten, uh, the team, the youth group, right? They're out there right now hiding them. All right. So uh, and then afterwards, any of the kids that are elementary or preschool age, and we'll probably have some that'll show up for the next service, but they'll come early. So that's that's going on in the side yard today. Next week, we're going to be right in here assembling these crisis care kits. They go all over the world to people who are in need, who are, uh, maybe they are fleeing persecution or war. Maybe their home just got destroyed by a tornado. Uh, This is something through our participation in the broader Church of the Nazarene, uh, these resources can get right to local churches, right where disasters happen, and it gives them something they can hand to someone that's got the basic necessities in it, the soap, the shampoo, the washcloth, the, uh, little, even a little toy for if it's a kid. Um, and so we are going to buy all the stuff, uh, and then we'll put it all together next week. The money to buy all the stuff comes from you giving and uh, marking it missions or crisis care kits, all right? So if you want to help buy the stuff that you can give to that today. You can go online and hit a little drop down and give to missions, or you can put an offering in the box there today and just write missions on the outside. And then that way, uh, Pastor Judy this week will know as she and Phil go to pick up all the supplies and put those together so that next next Sunday, uh, plan to stick around after this service or plan to come early if you're coming at 1030 next week. Um, And we'll have some tables set up with all the stuff. We'll just assemble the bags, put them in the banana boxes, and be good to go. So uh, yeah, so we would love your participation in that as well. Last year we sent a whole bunch of them off to Ukraine uh, as people were fleeing the war there. And uh, this year they'll go all over the place to all the different areas where they're needed. Um, I think that was it as far as announcements go, right? I don't have anything else on the screen, do I? Okay, all right. If there's something else that I forgot, oops. So uh, how many of you, uh, I'm just kind of curious, uh, about Easter traditions and your favorite Easter stuff. How many of you are, are team chocolate Easter bunny, and how many of you are team uh, peeps? Can I see just, just real quick? How many are on chocolate Easter bunny? That's your that's your preferred Easter treat if you had one. All right. How many of you are, are team peeps? You you love the peeps. And uh, wow. Okay. Cool. I hear so many people badmouth the peeps that I was surprised that any of you were willing to raise your hand. I love them. We've got some in our house right now, for now. Uh, they won't they won't last real long. Uh, but then I love chocolate, too. I'd be, I'd be wanting to raise both hands for that one. Is there somebody who's got a, a, something you like better than either one of those? Easter candy, Easter something? Black licorice. black licorice? Is that an Easter treat? Yeah, the black jelly beans. We have some at our house. Stacy hates them, but the boys and I like them. So That's an Easter? I didn't know that was an Easter thing. Anybody else a favorite Easter candy or something like that? I was just going to ask Cadbury cream eggs, you love them? those are good. Some people think they're disgusting cuz it's runny inside and all that, but yeah, oh they taste great. If you can get it all in your mouth at once, especially. Well, that's a challenge. Okay, I was just curious. And and then we have all kinds of Easter traditions, right? I mean, we're we're doing the Easter egg hunt. Did any of you color eggs this year? Any any egg colorers? Yeah. A couple years ago, my, my boys have gotten to color eggs I think three times already uh, this year at, at grandparents' houses and at our house. And Was it a couple years ago we got that little spinner thing? That Man, that thing makes it a lot easier. It's a little thing that you stick the egg in it, it spins it, and you can just use a marker to just like mix stripes along it. Uh, colored markers, you can color it that way. There's no uh, dissolving stuff in vinegar and having the splash and the mess and all of that. You can't be quite as creative, but uh, but it lets you just color right on them. I just heard this last week somebody was telling me I was getting my hair cut, finally, and uh, the person cutting my hair was saying, oh yeah, they always like crack the eggs before they dye them because then when you peel them, it's got this cool marbled look like the dye goes through. I thought, I don't think I've ever tried that. And then she also said that when they devil the eggs afterwards, which that's my favorite way to eat the eggs, Uh, thank you, Stacy, thank you, devil, I don't know who came up with that idea that they're deviled eggs. Anyway, they they taste great. I don't know who you're thinking, I don't know why they're called that. Anyway, they said they dye the whites for those too. Um, I didn't know you could do, oh, some of you are nodding your heads, like, oh yeah, uh, like you cut it, you pop the yolk out, and you dip the whites into that stuff, and they color just like the, and then you can put them, do the, man, okay. I mentioned it to Stacy because I thought the boys would get a kick out of it, and she said, no, it's never going to happen at our house, so um, <clears throat> no green eggs and ham for us. Um, all right. Um, around this time of year, as, you know, all these Easter traditions with bunnies and eggs and all the rest, and even the name of the holiday, we're calling it Easter, um, I, I don't know, you probably saw things just like I have where people are saying, well, this is all pagan, right? There's a pagan holiday, and this comes from the goddess Ishtar, or the eggs come from some pagan thing, or whatever, and and I, I'll admit, I in the past, I kind of thought, eh, maybe, but no big deal if it is. I mean, Jesus is in the business of. You know, converting pagans to followers of him anyway. So if he takes a pagan holiday and turns it into something about him, great. Uh, but then two different times this year, I've run across people who dug a little deeper and found, and sorry, this isn't the whole point of the message, uh, but I figured you might want this. If you want the details on this, message me. If this is something that's bothered you, send me a message. I can point you to the links or whatever. They dug a little deeper, and they're like, no, the Easter thing isn't connected with Ishtar. It's just the the month in the spring in these, most of the world calls it something else, uh, Pasha, Pascha. It's based on the word for Passover, the Jewish Passover, which was celebrated, Jesus celebrated with his disciples right before he died. He dies as our Passover lamb, right? S- sacrificed for us. And so most of the world calls it, calls it Pascha or Pasha, connected with Passover. It's just in our English-speaking and Germanic, I think, countries maybe, that uh, that's called Easter. And it's just because that was part of the description of the spring month, uh, part of the name for the spring month in, in those, like, as you trace the language back. And this was the spring holiday, and so eventually just the name of the month stuck to the holiday, and it's just going to be called Easter. And same thing with, with bunnies. There's just lots of them right around this time. You know, There's no association with any pagan rituals, and eggs are the same way. It's just a real common food. And, and so, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, well, cool. So it's not pagan. All right. So if you have any qualms about that, about these Easter traditions that we've just been talking about. I have no idea. Chocolate probably is pagan. All right, so I don't, I don't have any idea. But it still tastes great. Uh, <clears throat> peeps are clearly uh, sent from God above or something. So uh, I don't have any idea. But if, you, if that bothers you and you want the details, send me a message, send me a note. I'll be happy to send you the links to these uh, people who have researched it and found that, no, this isn't really a, a pagan deal. Uh, obviously, for us as Christians, the holiday isn't about you know, eggs and peeps and chocolate. It's it's about Jesus, right? And uh, this year, we've been going through the Bible one book at a time, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. This month, we be in Numbers, except it's, you know, Easter, so we're going to talk about Jesus. Uh, but Jesus shows up in all these books along the way, uh, or at least there are hints of him, things pointing to him. I mean, back right in the early chapters of Genesis, as Adam and Eve disobey God, and he's sharing with them the consequences now of their sin. He mentions uh, the, you know, the serpent that deceived them and says that one day your descendant, there'll be a descendant who will crush the head of the serpent and the serpent will bite his heel. This this picture of one day there will be one who defeats the devil, defeats the serpent once and for all, but will suffer a fatal blow uh, while doing so. And we Christians look back and say, well, that's, that's what Jesus did. And Exodus is God rescues his people from slavery in Egypt and, and uh, gives them the, the Passover celebration the passover meal to celebrate when the the angel of death passed over them um you know again we see jesus as our passover lamb as the one whose blood was shed so that death might pass over us so that we can be set free from slavery to sin just like they were set free from slavery to egypt get to Leviticus, and we hear read all about the, the high priests and the sacrifice that they offer. And right there in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, is looking back and saying, Jesus is our high priest. He's the one who offered once and for all his sacrifice. He offered himself. He doesn't have to come every year on the Day of Atonement with a, another offering for everyone's sins and for his own sins, because he was sin-free, and he, yet he offered himself as a sacrifice for all of us. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers I don't know, numbers is weird, all right? So the, the in the wilderness uh, book of the Bible, um, I don't know, I don't know how much there is in there about Jesus. There, there is at least one thing, or a couple things. Uh, there's the whole water from the rock thing, and one of the New Testament authors says, ah, and that rock was Christ who provided for them in the wilderness. And then there's one that Jesus himself mentions um, that none of you mentioned as we were talking about traditions, Easter traditions. There's one thing that, be, because Jesus said it, you would think that maybe it would become part of our of our history, part of our traditions, but it, it never caught on for some reason. Uh, it, it appears, Jesus mentions it right in John chapter 3, right in there as he's talking with Nicodemus, this religious leader who's saying, look, we know you're a great teacher, we know you come from God, we don't understand you, can you explain? And Jesus tries to explain and talks about needing to be born again or born from above, and and Nicodemus is like, I don't understand that at all. And so Jesus talks about water, and he talks about wind, and, and, uh, and eventually goes back, says, you're a Bible teacher, let me grab this story from, from the Old Testament from Numbers. Um, but first, he says in John chapter 3, verse 16, we, we are familiar with this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is This is the good news that we all celebrate, and we celebrate on Easter Sunday just like every other Sunday, that God loved us so much that he couldn't bear to leave us stuck in our sin, but sent his son, so that by believing in him, we might have life. We can get off that road to to destruction, that road to perishing that we find ourselves on and can get on the road that leads to life, to save the world through him. And as the lead-in to those most famous verses, this is what Jesus says to, to Nicodemus, it says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. I noticed none of you had Easter snakes on your Easter tradition list, right? Uh, this morning, with the eggs they just got done hiding, one lucky child is going to, you're going to take them a pet snake this morning. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. Uh, jump out. Um, <clears throat> Now, it's a weird, weird reference that Jesus makes. It's one of those deep cuts. I mean, it's this story in Numbers that doesn't get brought up a whole lot. Uh, it's in Numbers chapter 21. This this short little story that takes place. And, uh, and Jesus says, yeah, but that is kind of about me. Just like Moses lifted up this snake in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up. And later on in John chapter 12, he describes when I'm, he says, when I'm lifted up uh, from the earth, I'll draw all people to myself And then John explains, he said this to describe how he was going to die. He's talking about his death on the cross as he is lifted up on that that Roman execution cross as he gives his life. He says, that's something like Moses lifting up the snake in the wilderness. Have you read that story? Numbers chapter 21 starts in, in verse 4. It's a weird one. Uh, you might remember that the book of Numbers is uh, the people of Israel, they get set free from slavery uh, in, in Egypt back in Exodus, and they make their way to Mount Sinai where God gives them the Ten Commandments and the law, and they, they establish this covenant, this agreement. I'll be your God, you'll be my people, and things are good, mostly. Uh, from God's side, they're good. From our side, we mess it up. Uh, and then we've got that whole book of Leviticus that we spent last month in as they're describing, here's what you're going to do with the tabernacle and offerings and high priests and all the rest. And on Numbers, they're, they're leaving Mount Sinai. They're headed toward the promised land. And as they journey through the wilderness, things start out well, but then they start to grumble. We talked about that last week. And one of those moments of grumbling happens here in Numbers chapter 21. So they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Um, so I can't help but think of our, our recent vacation uh, to California. And the, the food you try to take with you, you know, or the, the the snacks they give you on the airplane or whatever. And the as they were journeying through the wilderness, it was like they had that manna that God had provided. That mystery stuff that I think one thing said it's like coriander seed or something but in the mornings they would go on, they would gather it, they could make it into, into flour, they could make bread with it and they were just tired of that. They're like we've had nothing but manna for days and days and days. We are sick of this miserable food. Why have you brought us out here to die in the wilderness? They're complaining against God, and against Moses and in verse 6 it says, then the Lord sent venomous snakes or some translations say fiery serpents among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. We, we messed up. We're, you know, we're sorry. We shouldn't have said anything. Uh, please, pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake. And there's a little play on words there in the Hebrew that I don't really get, but it's, a, it's like a snaky snake. The word for bronze sounds like snake. Makes this snake, bronze snake, and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. End of story. It just goes on to other stuff after that. Weird little story. Jesus was evidently familiar enough with that when he was anticipating what he was going to have to go through out of love for you and for me, he said, you know, it's a little bit like that moment back in the book of Numbers when Moses lifted up that snake in the wilderness and whoever looked at the snake lived. Anyone who looks to me, anyone who believes in me will have eternal life. That, that number story is just so odd. I can't imagine being in their shoes. Um, I mean, when it says they all grumbled or they they grumbled against them, does it say they all grumbled? The people grew impatient, they spoke against God. I, I'm guessing it wasn't like everybody, right? I mean, some people were probably just over washing their dishes or, you know, taking care of their cow or whatever. You know, they're they were just doing their thing, and some people are over here making a big stink, and all of a sudden, snakes or fiery snakes, or whatever. Some people have even said like, uh, now, I don't know where they got this idea, like like dragons, like flaming, like like flame-breathing dragons, or flying snakes, or something. But I think it's just snakes. I'm guessing the fire is just like you know they bite you and it burns. You know, they're venomous. That's why this one just says venomous snakes, and people are dying. You know, all of a sudden, I'm sure they'd seen snakes out there as they're making their way through the wilderness. But all of a sudden, it must have been just like a bunch of them, and people are dying, and they're going to Moses saying, "Please pray that the snakes go away." And Moses goes to God, God gives him this weird solution. You know, God doesn't say, okay, no problem, snakes are gone. Oh, I forgive them. Okay, they've learned their lesson. Sounds like people are still getting bit by snakes. But Moses has made this little bronze snake, put it up on a pole, and so it must have been a tall pole, I don't know. So wherever you were in their camp, if you get bitten by a snake, it's like, oh, you got to look at that. Oh, there it is. There's the bronze snake. I'm looking at it. Looking at the snake. <laughs> I guess my snake bite doesn't hurt as much as it did a minute ago. I don't Okay. You know, I, I don't know what that looked like. I have no idea how that worked, right? Why is it that looking at some snake statue makes you not die from a snake bite? I haven't got a clue. Maybe God was just doing this to test their faith. I don't know. If this was a way of helping them to rely on Moses and to pay attention to Moses again, I don't know. But Jesus says there's something about that that's kind of like me. That people will look at me as I am hanging there on a cross. And if they look to me, they will, they will live. They will have eternal life. What do we see when we look at Jesus? What did people in the Bible see when they looked at Jesus? Right? I mean, there was a, kind of a wide variety of uh, opinions about him, right? Right? I mean, some people thought he was a, a rabbi. That's often what his disciples called him, rabbi. In fact, that's, I think, what Nicodemus calls him in John 3 as he comes to him. Like, teacher, rabbi, we know you're sent from God. No one could do the things you do if God weren't, weren't with him. Um, his disciples consistently, they, they look to him as a rabbi. When, when he shows up on the scene and starts calling disciples, that's the kind of thing a rabbi would do. He would find people that he said, oh, you can learn from me. I can teach you what the scriptures say and how God wants us to live so that you can then pass it on to others. And rabbis would select disciples. They would select people to to learn from them, to apprentice with them. And so as Jesus does this, as he calls people who other rabbis had left behind, um, who were just working their trade, they're excited. They're like, oh, a rabbi's choosing me? Yes, let's, let's go. And some of them at least, as we hear those stories of Jesus calling his disciples, some of them are saying, hey, we think this is the Messiah. We think he's the one. We should, we should follow him. You know, last week, Palm Sunday, as we were talking about the, the people welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, waving the palm branches, they, were, they believed he was the, the anointed king who was going to overthrow Rome. They had no idea that he was, had a different agenda in mind, that he was doing much more than just overthrowing the, the empire of the day, that he was going to conquer death and sin and the devil. So, some kind of a teacher. Some, maybe the Messiah. Some kind of miracle worker, definitely, right? I mean, they would, they would see he would, he would feed 5,000 people with one kid's lunch. He, he was continually healing sick people. Like, everywhere he went, they would bring the sick to him, and, and he would lay his hands on them, and, and they'd be healed. Uh, he was casting demons out of people, people who'd been oppressed by some kind of unclean spirit, and, and he would cast those demons out. He, he showed himself as one who had authority over the spiritual realm, who had authority over the, the physical realm. I mean, the disciples had that one moment, or maybe there were more than one of these moments, in the boat with him, and it's, the storm is raging, and they think they're going to drown. And some of these guys are fishermen. They knew storms, right? And Jesus just says, peace, be still. You know, Tells the wind and the waves to calm down, and they listen to him. And that's when the disciples are saying, who is this? <laughs> who is this we've been walking around with? The wind and the waves obey him who is this Jesus? The people who saw him that day dying on the cross, uh, some of them might have been asking themselves that same thing. You know, because some of them had thought, oh, he's our teacher. He, he is the Messiah. But instead of standing up to Rome, he's allowed Rome to, Roman soldiers to nail him to that cross. He's not calling on angels, the armies of heaven, to come and rescue him. He's, he's just dying there. what it looked like when people looked at Jesus was, this is just another human being. Weak like we are. Susceptible to death like we are. And even looking like a criminal. I mean, Rome didn't just execute people willy-nilly. This was someone who had been accused of a crime. He'd been arrested. And now he was hanging out there and... I gotta tell you, it wasn't as we we don't have Jesus on the cross at all, right? And we've got a cross and everything, but there's no like body hanging on. I've had people ask before, why do some churches have a body like Jesus hanging on the cross and some don't? And and it's mostly Catholic traditions that have you know Jesus on the cross, and most Protestant traditions don't. And I'm not sure why that is from way back when. Um, But even like we never we'll never see in a church what it really looked like. Uh, You won't even see it in a movie because they'd have to rate it high enough. It wouldn't even, the passion of the Christ doesn't even quite do it justice because they hung him up there naked. Right? They didn't give him the modesty of having a little cloth draped neatly across themselves like in all the statues. It was an embarrassing way to die, humiliating way to die. Hung up there on a cross just outside of, t- outside of town on the road that everyone has to go down as they enter or leave. We, we hear this described in Luke chapter 23 he says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. He's just, he's just another criminal, apparently, for everyone who looks. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Are you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So, most people looking at him that day were not thinking, oh, the salvation of the world right here. No, they were thinking, that's another failed Messiah. That's another person who tried to, some were saying, oh, and another person who tried to rise up and overthrow Rome. Yep, we're good at putting those rebellions down. Others were looking at him thinking, we had our hopes pinned on him, but I guess he wasn't who we thought he was. Some people probably didn't know what to make of him. I imagine that's what that criminal was thinking. But the other criminal, it says, rebuked, that first one. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is what Jesus had been proclaiming, right, as he went from town to town He'd been proclaiming the kingdom of God, that the rule of God was coming, was, was at hand. That that's why you were seeing these miracles that John in his gospel, he calls them all signs. He doesn't call them miracles, he calls them signs, pointing to who Jesus is and his, and his coming kingdom. Pointing to the fact that, that God is making things right in the world if we will see it, if we will trust him, if we will get on board with him. And his kingdom is coming and, and he's saying, look, I trust Jesus, you're the one. That when, when God's kingdom comes, it's your kingdom. You are who you said you are. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last we're not going to go into all the different things that they just described but this is this is Jesus looking like just a, another human being dying on a roman cross and now gone the story continues that they take him down from the cross they bury him in a tomb and and we've already heard and we're here on easter sunday we're here to celebrate the fact that that jesus rose from the grave, that the tomb was empty when they showed up on Sunday morning to finish the burial process. They didn't even finish, you know, putting all the spices on him. And he was already up and on the move again. But this is Jesus lifted up. And what do we see when we look at Jesus crucified? We, We see the ugliness of our sin on display. My sin and yours. We see this is what happens. When people defy God. Jesus takes our curse. That's what in Galatians chapter 3. As the apostle Paul is trying to help these new Christians understand what happened. He said Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it's written in the scriptures cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Or in his letter to the Corinthians the second one. He says God made him who had no sin. To be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We see the the ugliness of human sin on display in the in the death of Jesus. Um, Stacy and I made our way to a Good Friday service in one of the other churches here in town. We didn't try to to pull all that together here, um, but. Uh, but we made our way to one of the other churches, and one of the songs, I can't remember what what old hymn it was now, but there's a line in there, it was my sin that held him there. That's been echoing in my brain. It's my sin that put Jesus on that cross and that kept him there as he, as he took that curse, as he took my sin on himself and died on that cross for my sake, for my sin. We see the worst that humanity could do, putting to death the Son of God. And at the same time, as we look to Jesus, we see a God whose love will not allow—it won't allow Him to just leave us stuck in our sin. We we see the love on, of God on display in Jesus Christ. He was unwilling to just leave us dead you know, on this road to death, unwilling to just leave us stuck in the sin and the mess that we'd made. He insisted on joining us here in our broken humanity so that by his death and resurrection he could transform our lives. He could transform what humanity looks like. No longer are we just stuck repeating the same pattern that everyone else has done all the way back to Adam of disobeying God, choosing our own way, suffering the consequences and now Jesus has become, some of the New Testament writers call him like a second Adam. He's, he's inaugurating a new humanity, a new way to live, a life of love. Where he takes our sin and our death and he gives us his righteousness, his life. We see a God who out of love for us is, is willing to meet us right where we need him most. In the, in the worst of our sin. Jesus, as he walked around before this, as he he went from village to village, he became known as a friend of sinners, because those were the people he sought out, and those were the people who sought him out. He did not reject us when we were not living right, okay? He was willing to, to hang out with, to be friends with, to share meals with, even to die with people who deserved what was coming to them, people like you and me. If you have ever felt, ever felt like, you know, well, God, God can't love me or God can't forgive me or can't, God can't look on the ugliness of my sin, Jesus dying on the cross says otherwise. He says God is willing to meet each and every one of us right in the midst of the ugliness of our sin so that he can take that on himself and, and set us free of it. All right, In his letter to the Romans, uh, Paul writes, the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. What we all saw when we looked at him was, yep, here's a human being, you know, uh, David's family line, one of, the, one of the Jews. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, he's, he's Jesus from Nazareth. That place that people thought, oh, nothing good can come from Nazareth. You know, born on the wrong side of the tracks kind of a thing, you know, right? And Jesus, he's Jesus. He's the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He is our Lord. The one that we look to and we recognize it's, it's your kingdom that's coming. It's your will that we want to be done. We, we're going to align ourselves with you. We're going to pledge our allegiance to you, Jesus. And when we do, it doesn't have to be complicated just like it wasn't complicated for the people of Israel. You get bit by a snake, you look at that bronze snake on the pole, and you live. <laughs> you, know? you look to Jesus. You put your trust in him. You recognize oh, just like the people of Israel. We're sorry. We have sinned. We should not have done that. <laughs> just like the thief on the cross. I'm getting what I deserve. I, I am a sinner. But Jesus, I'm, I'm looking to you. And Jesus sets us Free. He's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Or as, uh, as Peter put it in his letter, his first letter in our New Testament, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. That very thing that Jesus said to Nicodemus was required, right? He's a new birth into a living hope. That's where we got our church name from, this verse. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus conquers sin and death and the devil to set us free, to set us free, to give us life, to give us a new life, a new birth, which is why in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He is not counting your sins against you. You hear me? You put your trust in Jesus. You accept this, this amazing gift that he would come, looking just like that snake, just looked like the snakes that were biting him, looking just like another sinful human, Showing us, yep, that's the snakes are here because of my disobedience. The, Jesus is dying on that cross because of my sin. Oh God, thank you for loving me that much. You you look to him. And God is no longer counting your sins against you. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as so though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Don't stay at a distance anymore. Don't get bit by the snake of sin and just think, oh, I guess I'm just going to have to suffer now. I guess I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve healing. I don't deserve. No, no. Be reconciled to God. God is doing all this to bring you back to Him. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. It takes our death, it gives us His life. It takes our sin, it gives us His righteousness. It gives us new birth. <clears throat> we can look to Jesus, and live. So yeah, we might not put snakes in our Easter eggs. Gummy worms, that would work. We could do that. We could do that. Anyway, we might not do that. Uh, But on Easter Sunday, it is is such a good time to say, okay, Jesus, (laughs) I'm going to look to you and I'm going to recognize in your death and resurrection your love for me. I'm not going to keep my distance anymore. I'm going to accept this gift that you offer. I'm going to to put my trust in you. And when we do this, we live. We live. Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate communion together. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you that when we were stuck in the mess of our sin, that you, you weren't willing to leave us there, but you and... You just had to come. Enter into our brokenness. Enter into our sin. Enter into our death to set us free. Thank you, God, that each and every one of us here, whatever our past, whatever our inclinations, whatever our addictions, whatever our failures, whatever our... However we have hurt ourselves and the people around us, whatever our sins... God, you look at us and you love us intensely and you see someone worth dying for. You see someone that you want to you wanna take that sin from us. You want to break the power that it has over us, break the chains that have bound us. You want to you take the, the death, the sting of that sin. You, you want to you take the poison of it And remove it from our lives. So that we can experience true life. Thank you, God. Thank you that you don't make it complicated. We don't have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. We just have to look to you. Put our trust in you. Say yes to you. So we do that again today. God, we... We offer you ourselves. We acknowledge our need of your mercy and grace. We, we confess we have not always loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We need your forgiveness. We need your mercy. We need your grace. Thank you, God. Thank you that out of love for us, you sent your son Jesus to live and die and rise again to set us free. So that today we can experience that new birth. We can celebrate the life that you give us in him. God, we celebrate it in this sacrament of communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. As we offer you ourselves, we pray that by your spirit's work in our lives that we might be transformed change from the inside out, to live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters. Thank you, God. We are so grateful for the love that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with this basket of bread and a cup of juice And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Uh, All of us who are hungry for his grace, who are grateful for his love. We've got the regular little bits of pita bread and the little gluten-free round wafers. And we've got the little individual cups if you want to take one of those back to your seat. Uh, Or if you don't feel comfortable joining the crowd, we've got those there at your tables as well. And uh, as we sing, as we celebrate, you can peel it back and get to the bread, and peel it back and get to the juice. Again, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. So let's celebrate. Let's give him thanks for the amazing love he's shown us in his son, Jesus Christ.
1: My hope is found He is my life, my strength, my song This cornerstone, this solid ground Come through the fiercest drought
0: Thank you again, God, for the amazing love and grace you have shown us in your Son Jesus Christ. Fill us today with the spirit of the risen Christ, so that as we go from this place, whatever it is that we face, whatever we walk into, whatever challenges we might face or the challenges of the people around us, that we might go full of your grace, full of your love, as your ambassadors, helping others to know that you love them and that you're with them. Thank you, God. Thank you for setting us free. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.